After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. He's instrumental in growing a small campus with about 60 faculty and staff who serve 850 students to a mature campus of over 600 faculty and staff, serving 7,600 students and offering a broader array of programs to serve the region and the state of Hawaii. He's accomplished this through his broad experience in the education sector, working for several academic institutions around the country. He has come back to Hawaii in 2005 to give back through education, the community that has shaped who he is today. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, University of Hawaii, West Oahu Chancellor, Jean Awakuni. Welcome to our show, Jean. Thanks. Good to be here. So tell me, what is it like being Chancellor and what is your role? Mm-hmm. Well, being Chancellor is a real challenge because I have to deal with both the academic programs and faculty personnel issues. And in our situation, in our case, we're building a new campus in Kapolei. So we've, I've had to get involved in a political process of trying to raise money, both on the public side through the legislature and also uh, on the private side with the sale of some land that we are offering to be able to generate the revenue to build the first phase of the campus. So it's a broad array of responsibilities. It's exciting, though, and, and very rewarding. You've been gone from Hawaii for a long time before this position, right? Right. For, what, 20 years or something? 25 years I was gone. I left to go to grad school thinking that I might, I might come back, but uh, at the time I thought that I'd probably stay on the mainland. And then, you know, decided toward the tail end of my career in the mainland that it might be nice to be back and so I decided to come back. Came back in 2005. How did that happen? Did they recruit you or did you apply or how did that work? Well, I, I was in a really comfortable, very nice position at Stanford as the vice provost and with a large area of responsibility. And uh, just a couple of life events. My dad passed away and... My mother is still alive. She's going to be 90 next year. And I just reflected when I came back and, and my dad was in the hospital about how few of my cousin's kids I knew. You know, they would come to the hospital room and I'd see them and I'd think, I don't know who this, these kids are after being gone for 20. At that time, it was about 23 years. So I thought, you know, we'll see how things go. And if an opportunity arises or if I can retire in a couple of years, I come back. As it turned out, that fall, the position for UH West Oahu opened up. And I talked with some of my friends who have known over the years, and I said, what do you think? And they said, you're crazy. Stay at Stanford. You know, you're much better off. From, you've reached the pinnacle of your academic career. Come back when you can, you know, enjoy life, retire, and so on. But I, it really stayed with me. I thought the challenge of trying to build a new campus, and I working with David McLean, who I, I immediately took a liking to. David has been a tremendous supporter. And he told me unequivocally, we're going to build this campus and we want you to, to lead us in that effort. So I came back. So you asked for advice from your friends and mm-hmm. your colleagues, but you made your own. 
So what was key in doing what you wanted to do? Well, I think the key for me was whether, in fact, this could be done. Because I didn't want to come back and spend the rest of my career in portable classrooms on the Leeward campus and in the parking lot. Well, that's not what I saw as the future for, for myself. So I asked around, and, and again, the key among the factors that helped me make my decision was David McLean's support. Uh, and David said straight out, you know, unconditionally, uh, I'll support whatever you feel that you want to do with that campus. And he has done that. The other key was the state of the economy. And the economy had turned around. Uh, the, the state was looking at a surplus. A few years before I took this job, back in about 96, 97, I was actually offered that same job. But the uh, economic situation and everything else, the pol politics were just not right to get the campus built. This was under President Ken Mortimer's uh, term. Uh, but it looked like everything was lining up. The stars were, you know, sort of aligning. And uh, the governor was supportive, the mayor was supportive. We had the support of the regents. And it looked like we could generate the revenue to be able to get the first phase built. So, What kept you in the mainland so long? Oh, I just kept... I got offered jobs back in Hawaii, but I kept being offered better jobs on the mainland. I, I went from Harvard doing my doctor work to... UC Irvine, and I was offered a job at Manoa. They made a counteroffer to me to get me from what I was doing, teaching, and a director of psychological service into administration. So I took that route and didn't look back. Then I went from there, became assistant vice chancellor for academic programs at Santa Barbara, vice president at Cal Poly down in LA, and then vice president of administration at Columbia. So just one thing led to another. I didn't really planet, uh, but I get I kept getting recruited to go to that uh, you know other campus from from Cal Poly to Columbia, from Columbia I got recruited to go to Stanford, and so it, that's kind of just you know put one foot in front of the other and that's how my career is gone. Are you happy to be home? I'm ecstatic to be home. I mean this is couldn't have made a better decision. Reacquainted with friends of mine that I had known at UH, and who all. Uh, I mean, to a person, have said that whatever they, I need to get help in, they would do it, introducing me to key people in the business world, and um, uh, and that's that's been tremendous for me. What were you studying in school that prepared you for these high positions? Well, I, I have sort of an interesting eclectic background. I started out in business uh, at UH. Even before that, I was not a great student in high school. In fact, that's an understatement. I was... Uh, on the verge of getting kicked out of school, and then went into the Marine Corps, came back, started out at Leeward Community College, ended up at Manoa studying accounting. I switched into finance. Finally, I met this young political science professor. The last few courses I needed to complete my degree in business, uh, I took an elective in, in poli-sci. A fellow named Dean Newbar, who actually rose eventually to become chancellor at Manoa, but he was a guy that encouraged me to continue to studies poli-sci, and so I got my bachelor's in that field, uh, went to work at the legislature, and then decided I wasn't going to go into law. It didn't, I didn't think I'd be a good lawyer, so I went back into uh, School of Social Work, got an MSW, and then went and worked on the Waianae Coast and Waipahu in community mental health and foster care, 
and then eventually got back into the doctoral program in psychology. So it's sort of been all over the place. The doctoral was at Harvard? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. We're back with West Oahu Chancellor Jean Awakuni. In your small kid time, yeah. you had good grades? Oh, I had up to the, f- the first six years of school, I, I did pretty well. And then everything. <laughs> that's that's uh, kindergarten. Kindergarten, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was good at blocks. <laughs> I was very good at blocks. At least you're but, good at sending. He was good at um, showing up for school, best attendance. Uh, yeah, good attendance. Good. <laughs> this is Gene's interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I was uh, not a great student. In fact, my mother was embarrassed. You know, Japanese America, you got to go Japanese language school, a lot of the kids. And I got kicked out of Japanese school, so she wasn't real happy about my academic prowess. You got but, kicked out for grades or, or what? Well, behavioral problems, you know. The, oh. A sensei, the principal, called and told him, yeah, we don't want him back. He's, he's, he's causing trouble with other kids and so on. So I was sort of viewed as an instigator of not good things. And then intermediate, I went to Jared. I grew up in Palolo Valley and, you know, just didn't do much schoolwork. Uh, and I carried over to high school. Barely, as I said, barely made it out. Uh, I mean, I'm not proud of all of the kinds of things we did, but I was more interested in racing cars at the time. Back then, you know, going out and to Campbell Park, race my 55 Chevy. That's all we had interest in at the time. Oh, so you must have had a pretty girlfriend then, huh? Yeah, I had <laughs> one or two. <laughs> yeah, one so or two. what was the turning point for you then? Because how do you end up, like, getting booted out of school and then yeah. you end up at Harvard? Where's the turning point? I think the turning point was being in the Marine Corps and in Vietnam for 13 months. You have a lot of time to think about your life, and you see other... We were kids. We were 18, 19 years old. I mean, you see how how life hits you in the face, and you're not really ready for that kind of uh, experience. I mean, I used to see guys crying at night and things like that. It was a pretty uh, bizarre, surreal experience. And so I, I think coming back, I realized that I needed to do something other than just work at minimum wage jobs and started at Leeward if, because I wouldn't have been able to get into UH Manoa directly. So that's, that was my path. Was there a specific um, experience you had at Vietnam that kind of made this epiphany for I, you? I think it wasn't a particular experience or just sort of a collective sense that, you know, I got to sort of do something with my life. I mean, this is, we're on the verge of being, you know, 
snuffed out, right? So you, you think about uh, all of the kinds of things that you can do with your life when you're that close to the edge. When you're at on, on uh, perimeter watch at night, five or six hours, and all you do is looking out, and you got all this time to think about things that have happened, family, all of these uh, young kid, ex you know, experiences. And so I decided when I came back that I wanted to try to my life together. It, it wasn't easy, by the way. It wasn't just that I went, boom, I went from Leeward, and then all of a sudden I'm at Manoa. Although I did eventually get to Manoa, I became SUH president, uh, which was quite uh, an extraordinary feat for someone like me coming from Palolo Valley, you know, and uh, from a family where neither of my parents finished high school. They both have eighth grade education. So it's, you know, it, it's quite a, a journey, and that's why I think higher education is the right field for me. But there are a lot of kids like, like me that I've met over the years that have helped to support, mentor, give them some encouragement because, you know, if it can happen to somebody like me, it can definitely happen to these other kids. Do you do this because somebody encouraged and supported you? Yeah, you know, some folks along the way saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. They would say, you have ability, you can do this. And I said, really? Folks like, as I mentioned, Dean Neubauer, there's uh, Marilyn Caulfield when I was in social work, uh, told me, you got to go get your doctorate. And then when I was doing my uh, pre-doctoral internship, a fellow who was really the, the guy that uh, was the, sort of the focus of, of my uh, support during, during that period, this guy, uh, Joe White. And one time, he was my supervising uh, psychologist. And so he oversaw my work. He's a well-known, nationally, internationally known psychologist. And he said to me one day, he said, Gene, he says, someday you're going to be my boss. And I said to him, what? You know, you're crazy. So he said, no, you're going to be my boss. You're going to be the director. You're going to be the vice chancellor and so on. And it's, you know what? It turned out that he was right. And so I had all of these mentors along the way that helped me get to the next level. And I want to do the same thing for for kids here. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with West Oahu Chancellor Jean Awakuni. At what point did you have the confidence and know that, you know what, you could do it and you believed in your, whatever everyone else told you? Well, one thing that I felt that I always said, and I've reflected on this uh, quite a bit over the years, I always felt from the earliest time, even from kindergarten, that I was going to do something someday. I didn't know what it was, and of course I had you know, this, this uh, very 
circuitous path. But I always felt from the earliest time I had confidence in myself. It, it wasn't like somebody told me at some point. You know, I mean, they told me, and then I sort of realized what I could do. But in terms of the confidence in my own abilities, I always felt like I had that. What things have you had to work on personally in order to get to the position that you're at today? Well, one of the things that I, are important for any administrator, I believe, is communication skills. And one of the things that, coming from my, my when I was in the seventh grade, my English teacher couldn't understand me because of my pigeon. My pigeon was so thick. And I remember one night on parents' night, open house, man, she was surprised. My mother speaks wonderful English for a 90-year-old woman from the plantations. You know, she has very, very good articulation of English. And this English teacher was surprised because she thought we were from, she was from a foreign country because of the way I spoke. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't, so I tell the local kids, I tell actually all of the students I've worked with from Stanford to, you know, here at uh, UHS, well, work on your communication skills. Because at the level of, that I'm at now, it, it was a vice president and then chancellor. All you do most of the day is communicate with different audiences, donors, faculty, um, you know, fellow administrators, students, and you got to do it both orally and in writing. And that, to me, has been the sort of the biggest challenge and thing that I've done to try to improve myself. Can you break out into a full pigeon uh, conversation if you could wanted to? Well, you know, <laughs> not that easy for for having been away twenty five years, but I can get down with my friends, yeah. Some sometimes. What's the most dramatic turnaround you've seen one of the students that you've helped mentor go through? There's so many. I mean, at one time, I I was, well, there's some students who've been through, but, you know, Srina's a psychologist, so I worked as a, as a therapist for a while and then became director of psych services. And I had one student who was in severe depression for a couple of years, and this was down at UCI. And I worked with them for about about two years on a weekly basis. Uh, and he, he was an undergrad of tremendous ability, but just, just couldn't handle it emotionally. And when I got to Stanford, now this is about 20 years, 15, 20 years later, I'm walking across the parking lot, and I see this guy smiling, walking toward me, and it's the same student. And we sit, sat down, he said, I don't know if you remember me, Dr. Akumi, but I said, of course I remember him, yeah after spending so much time with them. And we went and had coffee. And he told me the story of how he went on, got his PhD, he's teaching at Stanford. Now, I worked in Silicon Valley, uh, first in the business sector, and then moved into teaching. Um, and then became a resident fellow for students so he could help mentor students himself. I mean, that was, you know I mean, an incredible experience. For an educator, that's, there's no better feeling than to, to have a student who has had tough times come through it and, 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 and achieve success. How were you able to go from, you know, car racing interests to actually developing yourself as being a leader? Or do you think you've always <clears throat> been that kind of leader? It's just focusing on something different. I think it's, I've, I don't want to sound uh, arrogant about it, but I, I think I've had leadership qualities from early on that have been cultivated. Now, it was in the early days, it was for bad reasons, right, being leader of a gang and stuff like that. But I think it's now redirected in a, in a very productive sort of area and, and doing something that is of value to students, to the community, to the state. So 
So it, it's, you know, people, I always said it when I talk about leadership that you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe that everyone has the ability to lead. You just have to focus it in a manner that allows you to, to concentrate all of your energy on this the one issue that you are wanting to achieve or one issue that you're wanting to address. Um, I, I don't think there's any big secret about it. Just sort of believing in yourself and having other folks that support your beliefs. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Hawaiian time, Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites, For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Radio. We're back with West Oahu Chancellor Gene Awakuni. You ever had a inferiority complex? Well, when I was on the mainland, and I was often the only Asian uh, American administrator, and sometimes I'd be in meetings and I'd be the only, you know, when I was in the cabinet at Columbia University, the camp, campus is over 250 years old. I was the first Asian American vice president. Uh, and there were 30 cabinet members uh, in, in the meeting. 20 of them were white men, and maybe a few women, and then an African-American male and a female, and I was the only Asian. It's intimidating at first when you're in that kind of situation because you really got to believe that you have something of value to offer because you get, you know, you get squashed down by folks who don't believe that people of color have any ability or anything good to offer. And so, yeah, I, you know, there were times, I actually wrote a, a chapter in a book about this uh, a few years ago, about uh, the experience of Asian Americans who feel invisible when they rise to that level, and you really got to deal with being very focused and very confident that you have the ability to be an uh, uh, equal contributor to some of the other, uh, in this case, white administrators that you maybe working with. How did you get over that and then what did you learn from that experience? I think getting over it has to do more with growing up in Hawaii and realizing that you have the ability to do whatever you want to do and achieve. Uh, Asian Americans, this is something that I, it's not uh, new. I mean, Asian Americans who grew up on the mainland, many of whom came out of the, uh, you know, like for Japanese American through the internment experience, 
they have a chip on their shoulder. They have an inferiority complex. When you come from Hawaii and you get into those situations and, you know, having grown up here, you feel com comfortable and confident in any, all kinds of settings. Also, I think being from Hawaii put me in a little special category. So everybody loves Hawaii. When you're on the mainland and you tell people you're from Hawaii, uh, they really gravitate toward that. They like it. And I, I use it to my advantage. I felt that it was important to, to establish, you know, that um, I understood multi-cultures because that's the way Hawaii is, the melting pot. And it was very important in the settings that I was in because we had all these multiple cultures uh, to be able to have a good understanding and to be able to convey to my colleagues how to work in that kind of environment. What about the kids from Hawaii that feel inferior to other people? What would you say to them? It's an interesting issue. I was at a workshop for kids from Nanakuli High School, and uh, they took this, these high school students out of their in sort of nat normal environment, at, and they put them in a in this workshop setting at at the Ihilani in Kualina. And you know, it was really interesting to observe the behavior of the kids. I mean, they were much more sort of focused. And the teacher's comments are not mine. The more well-behaved. And, and uh, I went to this one motivational workshop, and the speaker, and I can't remember his name, uh, spoke about the inferiority complex of growing up on the Waianae Coast. And I was a little surprised because I hadn't heard anybody talk about that before. And he said, how many of you, because you grew up in Nanakuli, were told you were stupid? And, you know, there were 70 students in that room, and two-thirds of them raised their hand. And he said, I was one of those students. I grew up in Nanakuli. And he said he was embarrassed. He was ashamed of having to admit that he was from Nanakuli. So he would make something up. He would say, are you from Pro City or something? And, and he realized over the years that he needed to really you know, establish some pride in his, uh, where he grew up and his culture and his race and so on. I think just, you just have to convince students that no matter where they come from, they have something to offer. They have something of value. I grew up in Palolo Valley. I mean, Palolo Valley is light years away from Manoa Valley. It's only a mile away. But, the, you know, just a different cultural mindset when you grew up in Palolo versus Manoa. And what I tell people is that, you know, breaking out of that kind of cultural mindset is going to take some work. But you just got to believe in yourself, believe in your family, have pride in your race and culture, and uh, know that you has, have an equal ability to contribute to the state good as, as anybody else. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.